All right. Well, hey, welcome back to the Sandcrawler. This is going to be episode five, I believe. And we're doing a little bit different this time. Uh, we're actually going on camera. Ben left his room on in the background. Daniel did too. There I felt compelled to do the exact same thing. So it's a little weird to see ourselves on camera. I never got past the uh, pandemic thing where I end up looking at myself and then back and forth to people throughout. So I will do my level best not to do that. But we have a special guest today. So here on episode five, volume two, um, a long time, I'm going to say it, friend. Ben, we've known each other for, gosh, almost a decade. Um, but Ben is our first real sort of Star Wars celebrity that we wanted to have on. Um, you have a deep and real, and I would even go so far as to say very legitimate connection to Star Wars, whereas we're just fanboys. So we really appreciate you making the time to be on the show today. Um, before we kind of jump in and talk a little bit about that, Daniel, anything you wanted to talk about housekeeping before we kind of jumped in? Sure. I just, this is like the perfect time to do an interview. Been really happy to have you on. We'll do some promo on your stuff. Uh, KS Geekman, as you can see on our screen um to follow on instagram ben has like way more followers in the podcast so we're probably the ones that are getting promoted by him rather than the other way around but this is an awesome chance for us to you know to do a feature on on ben um he's just like a really good member of the community we we wanted to bring in folks that have ties to like professional star wars stuff um and and that's just so cool and so really excited about it we'll do a little bit of a bigger giveaway at the end i'm not going to reveal it quite yet yet but we're gonna do a little bit of, big, of a bigger uh giveaway and um i'm just really excited this is good well timed because we got into sort of a cadence of doing episode recaps and that's really not what this show is about and so it was great to bring in an interview and so i'm just really excited for it so let's get cooking yeah ben you got to remind me man when did we first meet i mean we met through instagram like a lot of people but i'm trying to think has it been almost a decade? Gosh, uh, man, Jeff, I think it's probably been around that. I know I started that, um, my nerd Instagram account, uh, the K Kansas Geekman account was uh, 2014. So it was like nine years ago. Uh, so it might have been around that time. I'm not sure. I met so many great people um, when I started that account. And I really just started it so I could have a safe place to, to be a geek without in intruding on my, my family and friends. Um, feeds with my nerd stuff so uh, i was like you know what i'm just gonna make a second account so i can post pictures of toys and talk about <laughs> star wars without being asked by uh by my professional people and my friends like hey you really like that star wars that's a <laughs> you seem a little obsessed so i'm like you know what i think i'm gonna go over here and uh yeah so i think you and i it's been gosh it's probably been around that time i feel like 2015 at least or 16 but I know you and I have met in person. I think we did some uh, hot toy exchanges uh, in person uh, since we're both collectors. Um, and that's been at least four or five years. Um, yeah. So. It's funny you say that. I think, Daniel, I'll speak for you too. Um, my wife always compliments me on the fact that I am one of the few people she knows that kept Instagram curated like as best as possible. Like I have a personal account, but you're right. Like I remember starting this account and just like you, I have some friends that kind of are borderline voyeurs. Like, I feel like they peep in and they're kind of like, what do you, what, what is all this? And I'm like, this isn't for you. It was never for Hold you. on guys. <laughs> this right. is, if we're talking about two point safe spaces, like this is not your culture. This is my nerd yeah. culture. And like, if you want in, then that's, yeah. we'll have to have a conversation, but yeah. all good. Um, well, Ben, like, you know, one of the things I wanted to just ask was, we talked about it briefly before, just inside conversations, but tell us a little bit about you know, your connection to Star Wars in the card yeah. sense, in the professional sense, in the artistry sense. Um, as a side note, I love your stuff. I've been waiting yeah. to try to commission you for something for a while. I know life and things get in the way, but again, um, just tell us more about, you know, how you got into this world. Yeah. Oh, in fact, the fact that you mentioned that, I think you asked me about it a long time ago and I think life did get in the way of, of stuff, but um, yeah, first of all, I just want to thank you guys for inviting me to be a part of this and your your generous and gracious uh, compliments and words um, are very heartfelt. So thank you. Um, yeah, as far as the um, getting involved with um, Star Wars, what I, um, I started in around 2015, I met someone who was a friend of mine, um, somebody that I met, and he was doing trading cards for um, for tops. And he was a guy that was in the industry um uh, doing art and he did animation for the batman tv show in the 90s and 
Um, he was a part of that whole thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and growing up, uh, I wanted to, to do comic book art. I wanted to actually pursue that at one point. And then my, the tra- trajectory of my life changed. And um, so I put that to the side. And so I told him when I met him, I said, man, you're doing exactly what I was desiring to do. And he's like, hey, he saw my stuff. And he's like, you know, you're actually not too bad. I bet if you put a portfolio together, um, submitted it to Tops, if you just kind of keep practicing, uh, I bet you could do this. And he told me what it was like, you know, they, they just give you the cards and you just do it on the side and uh, meet their deadlines. And so uh, so in 2015, I started drawing again after having not drawn for uh, quite some time in my life. And I would post pictures on Instagram. And I think on my Instagram, it, um, Daniel, you mentioned how my account, that account has a lot of followers. Well, it exploded right before all the algorithm stuff changed. Um, and it was around when the force awakens was, was being, you know, talked about and was so heavy in, in people's minds in 2015 and the account star Wars Siths on Instagram, his name is Chris. Uh, he shared one of my drawings cause he and I were talking back and forth and his account had like, I don't know, 300,000. So we shared one of my drawings. And then I just remember one day it was like, boom, 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 boom. I just exploded with followers. And, um, so at that point I started drawing and sharing that stuff on my Instagram. And then I had someone say, Hey, how much for, how much for that drawing? And I'm like, somebody wants to buy my drawing. Somebody's willing to pay for it. So I was like, okay, uh, yeah, 25 bucks. And they're like sold I'm like, okay. And so I noticed that people were, um, so I was like, okay, well, I must be good enough to maybe submit that portfolio. And I did. And, uh, in 2016 and, um, I, my first project was with upper deck, and I did it. Uh, it was for the movie Clerks. Really bizarre. Very strange. Um, but I did that. Yeah. So it was my my foot in the door with the professional stuff. And then from there, I was invited to do, um, I think it was uh, Spider-Man. There was a Spider-Man Ultra Fleer, Spider-Man or something uh, for Upper Deck. And then uh, I got tops uh, knocked on my door and said, hey, would you like to do the Rogue One movie? And so that was my actual first project was working for uh, Rogue One. So I did sketch cards for the Rogue One. I think it was series two. So it was the second set that came out right when the movie actually uh, hit theaters. Um, And so that was the first, my first. And that was like 2016, the end of 2016 into 2017. And then from there, I just kept doing every project that was coming out from Star Wars. And then I was doing random things for Upper Deck and you know, for tops, I did a few other things like Stranger Things and um, Walking Dead. I did a season seven, I think it was season seven of Walking Dead. Um, and then I, in 2019, I was like, you know what? They asked if I wanted to try baseball, so I did that, and I hated it. Uh, so, because they were like, you have to, you have to choose these baseball players from last season, and I'm like, I don't keep, you know, the Royals are terrible, so I don't keep up with baseball that much anymore. Um, modern baseball. So I didn't know who any of the players were. So I just combed through the all-star team of the year before and just drew everybody I could from that. <laughs> so I hated that. And uh, yeah, so I've just, you know, started doing it that way and uh, just accepted every Star Wars project that would come through until I think I stopped uh, around 2020 um, was when I was like, I can't, I can't keep up with it right now. So, so I put it on pause and uh, right now I'm working on a project for Upper Deck uh, for Marvel. So very cool yeah in total ben how many cards do you think you've illustrated oh gosh uh i don't know uh it's probably it's probably more than 500 i would think it's probably more than that yeah wow yeah i think because there was 100 but wow yeah that's yeah i mean there was one set i actually did 100 and that was for the 40th anniversary star wars a new hope in 2017 they asked if I wanted to do a hundred and I was like, sure, I can draw a hundred cards. And that was, the, that was a mistake. Um, so I decided I would never do that again. <laughs> when you look back at the stuff you've done on the star Wars front, um, I think I have a guess, but I'm not going to spoil it. I'm curious, like, is there a particular card or character that you've drawn um, that you felt a strong affinity to, or you can easily look back and say like, this is my favorite thing. Maybe the time to draw or looking back now, like, that's easily my favorite character to draw. Oh, drawing a character. I would say character wise, it's usually clone troopers and stormtroopers. I'm a trooper guy. I enjoy drawing troopers a lot. Um, and, 
but I, I love there when I've done sets, I, I usually look at a set. Um, my favorite types of sets to draw are things like galactic files or, um, I think it was star Wars galaxy or star Wars masterwork. Cause when they ask, invite you to those, you can draw any, any era of star Wars or any, um, uh, you know, you can do the clone, you could do the sequels, prequels, um, original trilogy. They don't, they don't care. Um, just as long as it's star Wars. Um, so those are my favorite sets that I would draw on. Um, but typically when I'm sitting down and I'm not thinking, I will just draw a stormtrooper or a clone trooper or Boba Fett. Right. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. a good choices. Let me, let me ask you this has oftentimes we see, you know, something that someone can be passionate about and a fan of when they're actually introduced to it as a profession, or even if it's like a, even if you would consider it a side gig, it becomes work more than love. Have you ever wrestled with that? Has that come up? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, yes. In fact, um, in, I think it was the summer of 2019, I realized I was spending, I, I was working on baseball. I was working on a Star Wars project. And then I was working on, I think it was like a Marvel, the Punisher or something all at the same time. And, uh, and then I had other cards waiting for me to do. And I just sat there. I remember one day just drawing and I was like, I think I need to stop for a season because <laughs> it was just, I was not enjoying it. And and I really didn't necessarily, it wasn't something I, I needed to do. Like I was like, it was not ever a desire to just let art be my, my, my thing for, you know, to support my family and those kinds of things. So it was more really just for me, a, an enjoyment thing and something I really loved. And uh, so I was finding that I was losing the joy. So when I started, I thought, you know, if I ever get to a point where I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, just stop. There's no, it's not necessary. Just push pause. So that's really around the time I, I kind of decided to step away for a bit uh, for a season. And then I just got that invite, as I mentioned, uh, to a Marvel project recently. So I decided, you know, let me give it a shot. So do you ever feel that way as a collector? Like and I'm 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 steering it into this territory, just given our backgrounds. I mean, our literal backgrounds right now, like <laughs> I find that there are times and it maybe coincides with the release of a certain film or a property or you know, there might even just be like the the general sort of state of the union with a property where I, as a collector, sometimes find like I get tired or a little bit apathetic. And I was curious, like, is that just me being overly cynical or do you feel that way too sometimes? Yeah. Um, yes. I would say that um, if I were to look at what I used to purchase and collect five years ago is much different than what I do now. Um, and now a lot of that was as I was collecting like the Hasbro stuff, right? At one point it was, I was like a completist and <clears throat> you can't keep up with that. That's like, I mean, some people do, there's some people on some friends on Instagram that I'm like, dude, I don't know how you're keeping up, but, uh, the Hasbro six inch stuff, the black series, um, you know, when they started in 2013, like 10 years ago, which is crazy to think, uh, I mean, I jumped on board right at the beginning and that was when you know, not very many people were, they thought it was kind of silly. A lot of people thought it was silly. And uh, so that first wave was ridiculously priced. You know, people were spending a lot to get that now. Um, but I think when when the the quality of stuff started to change with Hasbro back around 2017, when the sequel stuff was coming out, I could tell on the packaging, I could tell on the paint applications and and that kind of stuff, That that kind of drove me to uh it actually broke my desire to uh, feel like i had to be a completist i mean i was buying something sometimes i would buy a figure that i would open and then i buy a second one to keep in a box i mean you can't you can't raise yeah. a family doing things right. like that forever um so i would say probably yeah i would agree jeff i think that's um it's not unusual for people to go through that um and i became it, it also was not something I was enjoying. So I was like, you know what, just stop. And so I, I actually opened a third Instagram account uh, that I think I called it geek flag fly. It's still sitting out there, but I would, I would sell toys on there. And I sure. started selling a lot of that stuff at the time. I but, definitely think um, there was a point with black series, like so much like you before the algorithm changed, it was actually Matt at star Wars, the black series that reposted mm -hmm. one of mine. And this sounds like very 
it's going to come out the wrong way. It's still Star Wars Black Series most likes post in the history of his account. It was that That's like awesome. Obi-Wan post I did of like all the figures that I customized or had other people customize with me. And then the algorithm hit and I really kind of plateaued. But shortly thereafter, like when the Force Awakens stuff came out, for me, I was much like you. Like I would find myself buying things and then like I would put it away. Like, and then mm -hmm. that was it. Like there was no interaction yep. with it. And I felt like, you know, curating a hot toys room or a one six scale room is important. And bringing it back to what you do, it wasn't until recently that I sort of like rediscovered my love of cards and specifically like mm -hmm. the tops world to me seems like really scary and daunting because I'm learning a lot about, like you mentioned it before we started like refractors and this is like one mm -hmm. of 20, one of 60. This one has my signature. This one's foil. Um, green border, red border, yellow border. Yeah, right. And there's guys <laughs> yep. I started to follow on Instagram that are like knee deep in this stuff. Um, I rediscovered my love of like the old Star Wars decipher cards from like the mid nineties. Cause that's middle school for me. Like that was a big, a big deal. But I would, I, you know, one thing I did want to talk about with you on that front was like your general grievous card. So like, mm -hmm. this is for our listeners and I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke, Ben. Like this is an iconic piece of star wars art like i see this all the time when i'm trolling ebay to go buy stuff and i'm like i know ben like i know i know this like i know who did this i i talked to him i've met him many times um i'm secret i'm secretly proud of that as well i'm like i, I know that. yeah like, awesome. this card i got some vip really, passes so I, I have to just ask you a little bit about the history of this card and like i mean yeah. it's an incredible design for those that can't see it that are listening on spotify or apple or whatever um, ben did, and I'm probably using the wrong art terms, but effectively like almost like a bust line shot of General Grievous. And this is to me as a history nerd, by the way, Ben, like this mm -hmm. is like very evocative of the sort of World War One, World War Two era, like propaganda posters we would see yeah. of like sort of this iconic leader. And then in the background, you have basically like the droid ships flying. Um, you have mm -hmm. some of his like Magna Guards and some of the Trade Federation droids. It's a really cool piece of art. I guarantee if you guys just Google like, Ben Abusada Grievous or Tops Grievous card, like this will be the first thing that comes up. But yeah. um yeah, tell us about this, man. Like I just I want to know how this came into the ether of sort of being the card. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks guys for the uh, compliments. Um it it was a uh, it was a fun project. And <clears throat> I was I, I would say that this particular project, I mean, is a is an artist and as a kid who you know, a guy that grew up as a kid loving Star Wars and also this particular set, which is the Galaxy set, for those of you that are um, into the tops trading cards or at least peripherally understand what that set is, this this set originated, um, I think it was first released in 1993, and it was a pretty iconic trading card set, um, the first series. And this was, I believe, series seven or six, six or seven, I can't remember exactly. I, I don't even think they numbered it because I think the one before it was released in 2012, so it had been... Uh, quite some time before they revisited the galaxy set. But um, so this was quite an honor for me when they asked me to do um, a card and it wasn't typically I'll get invites to do the, um, the uh, sketch cards for a trading card set, which are usually the chase cards, right? So when they ask you to do an actual piece of art that will be mass produced and printed uh, for an artist who does this, this is, that's pretty, um, that's a pretty, uh, complimentary or it's very it feels really good to get that invite it's like holy cow they're gonna they really want to mass produce my work so for me it was like the pinnacle of uh of doing this it was a dream as a kid like man someday i want to draw for star wars and so this was like oh wow i get to be a part of a set i remember buying and collecting when i was 18 years old back in 1993 um so just to get that invite was amazing and so the invitation came in 2017 uh, this set was released in December of 18, and um, the first set was. And then um, on the invite, they said, hey, we'd like to invite you to do the to submit uh, an idea. So you had to send in like a, a typed out idea. So I had two concepts in mind. My first concept was one that I had. I had drawn a sketch cover, um, and my idea initially was to make, you know how on the Star Wars theater posters, the original trilogy, and really, I think, pretty much most of them, you would see Darth Vader's looming head in the background and you'd see all the heroes in the foreground, right? So you had this looming threat behind you that, you know, all the heroes were, were having to, to deal with. So my thought was like, you know, what would it be like to do the opposite? What if you were doing the Imperial perspective and the looming threat was Luke Skywalker's head in the background? And then you had in the foreground all these Imperial uh, type things, right? 
And then my second idea was to do uh, a general, like a, a prequel uh, card and do general grievous kind of a similar type thing, but you're not, you're not doing heroes and, and villains. It's really more just a, almost like a, like you said, um, Jeff, like a propaganda type thing. Like you're just the inspiration of general grievous. Cause it, you think about revenge of the Sith and the, um, the, uh, the text that goes up at the beginning, the scroll, you know, talks about there's heroes on both sides. Right. And, uh, um, so general grievous for the independent, for the CIS, he was a hero. He was helping, uh, carry the mantle of the cause of of the Confederacy of Independent Systems to fight the unjust Republic who was, you know, imposing itself upon uh, a bunch of systems that didn't like its laws and its rules and that kind of thing. So um, get in the politics of Star Wars there. But um, so that was kind of my thought was like, you know, to do what you said. And uh, so I submitted the ideas and they said, um, hey, could you do the prequel one? And I think that's probably because a lot of people were submitting some of the other artists were probably submitting a lot of original trilogy stuff and they didn't they were probably looking at the whole scope and going okay let's do a prequel we got somebody who wants to do prequel let's add make sure we get some of that representation in there um that's my story i think that's how they probably did it so um so from there i drafted um just did a quick sketch of what it would look like and they said uh, gave it a thumbs up and said all right go for it and so i um, started drafting it and through the process i'd have to submit um i think it was probably two or three times we submitted um, designs as we were going through, like I would, I would do the pencils and before I went to inks, I would submit it and say, does this look okay? And they'd give it a thumbs up. So then I would lay the ink down, uh, the line work. And then, um, then after that, I would lay down the color. Then after I laid the color down, uh, I think they, when I did the color, I initially had that general grievous starship. It was more like a olive green tint, army green. And I think I was using a reference that was like a toy of some sort. And the toy picture that I had, because I didn't actually have that particular toy, uh, it looked like it was green to me online. So they said, hey, can you change the color? I was like, oh, crap, I don't know how I'm going to do that. <laughs> so I had to take I had to go back through on the ink and, and just really spend some time blending in uh, some blue in that and uh, change the green to, to blue. Um, yeah. And then uh, after that, um, submitted the work and it had to be approved by Lucasfilm. Um, and we had to sign a contract, um, with Lucasfilm on it and they own it. I can't, I can't reprint it. I can't do anything with it. Um, I have the original artwork, but they own the actual thing. So, which means they can, if, if, if Lucasfilm were to go, Hey, let's look through our general grievous stuff. And someday I could be walking down the street and somebody's wearing my art on their shirt or something, you know, and I would have no say or even knowledge. In fact, um, in 2021, Tops redid uh, a galaxy. They did a galaxy set, which they called the Chrome Galaxy set. And I think that was the first year they they chromified all of their some of their uh, stuff. And so they took this one and they reprinted it. And without my knowledge, I didn't know. They didn't have to ask permission or anything. And I started getting tagged on social media by collectors. And I and uh, I was like, oh wow, they redid my art. That's pretty awesome. And so. Uh, they did a refractor shiny version and all that. So, um, so yeah, it's been in two different different products by Tops, which was exciting. So that's kind of how the process went. I still own the original, and uh, if I ever want to sell it, um, I'm supposed to get permission from Lucasfilm, which I don't know. I don't know that they. I've not heard uh, positive things from some of the artists that <laughs> wanted to do that, and they don't hear back from them. So, <laughs> well, here's but, how nerdy uh, I am. Yeah. Here's how nerdy I am. I would frame the agreement. I'd be like, oh my God, this is an official <laughs> Lucasfilm contract. <laughs> I, I was framed. <laughs> the only the only interaction I've ever had personally with Lucasfilm was when you become an Eagle Scout, typically you can send a bunch of these like notifications and you get back responses from like tons of people. And it's usually very personalized. Like Clint Eastwood sent me like an autographed picture and a hand note, all the Supreme really cool. Court justices, former presidents. And I was so hoping on George Lucas. And I have a letter from Lucasfilm, and it's about one paragraph long, written in like on like a with courier font from a typewriter. And it's just, uh, while Miss, Mr. Lucas has like never been involved in the Boy Scouts of America and is like not particularly like interested in it, but commend <laughs> you for your achievement. And then it was like his secretary, and I was like, that's it, like that's that's all well, I got. Well. Yeah, it was. It, I saved a lot. Of it. It's like super depressing, but um, wow. this isn't really our thing. But pretty cool, nerd. Yeah, yeah way to go. Now it's back, back to our sci-fi stuff. 
Yeah. But, um, <laughs> well, Ben, I was going to ask you, I mean, so on this topic and like to transition it a little bit, you're one of the, you know, your interest in the prequels is interesting because we were just talking before we recorded, we're roughly, we're in the same sort of milieu of generations. I, I, I think we hit Star Wars in a point where we weren't old enough to see it in the theaters when it was first released, or maybe you saw ROTJ when, when you were a kid, but we largely lived in that sort of era of THX release, West End games, Star Wars, Air of the Empire was kind of like re-emerging and then the toy line, Power of the Force 2 kicked and then the special edition and all that jazz. I mean, I lived a lifetime of Star Wars, I guess, before 1999 when The Phantom Menace came out. But I say that because what it felt like until maybe, gosh, eight or nine years ago, Daniel backed me up, was that the prequels still had sort of like a... I almost felt like even Hayden Christensen was sort of a pejorative, like in the Star Wars fan community. And you're one of the first people in the community that I talked to that was like, I will double down. Like, I love Revenge of the Sith. And, you know, as I matured and got a little bit older and really kind of re-explored those films, especially in the wake of the sequel trilogy, like I came not only to like them, but love them. I even love Attack of the Clones. I have no problem saying it. So I'm curious, like, what was it? Did you always feel that way about the prequel trilogies? And did you always sort of identify out of the gate that you love Revenge of the Sith, like starting in 2005? Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, let me say you're very generous in your uh, your assumption of my age. But uh, <laughs> I did. I'm, I'm a Gen Xer. So I did go see uh, I did see A New Hope when it wasn't A New oh, Hope. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. In the theater. So I'm I mean, I'm 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 one of the OTs. But uh, which is a lot of times it surprises people uh, because of my uh, affinity for the prequels, because they assume OT people just don't like the prequels at all. And that's never been the case for me. Um, I uh, I love the prequels when they came out. I love The Phantom Menace now. I loved it in 1999. Um, I think I saw it in the theaters in 99, probably eight times. And then when it came out on 3D in 2012, I saw it seven times. And I think on the seventh time, as I sat halfway through by myself, I was like, I think I'm done. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think there's um, there's two, there's a couple of things with with movies that um, that are that I associate with. There's there's the movie itself. There's the time frame and everything that's happening in culture. And it just reminds me of a certain era and time in my life. And then there's like things that happen like family or whatever going into a movie. Right. Um, so there's there's those types of things that I associate with movies. So. As far as the movie itself and the story, um, I've just always been fascinated by um, by that. I think I think that you know one of the the parting things for a lot of original trilogy original trilogy fans, OT fans, they did not like um, the visual. Like they were like, why is everything so shiny? When the Phantom Menace came out, they didn't they didn't quite grasp it. It was like too different for them. And for me, I was always like, well, it makes sense. I mean, you have to it's a story. It's, it's a six, six books in a, in a series in, in essence. And you have to think of, you starting it off, you know, the empire was supposed to be, you know, the thing that ran things into the ground. And that's why everything looked so dirty and, and used in the original trilogy. And that's why Phantom Menace looked the way it did. Right. It was a different era and time. And yep. so, you know, George was great at, I think he just was phenomenal at using visuals to help tell the story. And he really, I think he accomplished that when he, when he made the prequels um, to really help illustrate even better why the OT was the way it was. Um, so there was that, the visual storytelling. And then of course, I, I love the, the story itself, the idea of, you know, a, a religious order and um, being too tied to a government that was, you know, um, that collapsed and in on itself. And they were happy to happy to be tools of that government in breaking their what their order was supposed to be about um, because they got caught up. And I think Yoda explains that in, in uh, attack of the clones, when he's talking to Mace Windu, he talks about how, you know, the Jedi are becoming too arrogant. You know, the young, the young kids, the whippersnappers are taking too much joy in their role. And, you know, they're that kind of thing. Uh, I don't off so, my lawn. You should get, yeah. <laughs> get off my lawn. Off my lawn. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> So anyway, I, I just loved um, I loved it from the beginning. I think it's a great story. Um, and uh, I think there's, you know, the idea of following the, uh, you know, the fall of of someone who was a hero and um, then following um, following the idea of like Count Dooku. Um, I love that character back then. Um, and I, I think 
I always like what they did with Tales of the Jedi recently on that is exactly what I had always envisioned happening with him. Like he was he was just a, a Jedi that was he saw he actually saw what was happening. Right. The idea that there's this guy who saw that that the Jedi were taking the wrong path. Unfortunately for him, he his resol his solution to the problem was was not the best, was not the right thing to do. But he wasn't wrong. Right. And that's why I think Qui-Gon yeah. Jinn was probably the the best Jedi ever was because he saw it and knew it. And anyway, so, man, I just went down a rabbit hole. But uh, no, we that, love it. We that, love that it. Kinda unpacks for you what what my thoughts on the prequels are, why I love them. I just think there's a lot of depth there. And I think people get too caught up with not liking Jar Jar Binks that they can't get beyond that. And I think that I always thought that was really sad because they're missing out on on a lot of uh, a lot of good storytelling there. The same is true with Hayden to an extent. Like people, I, a right. lot of my friends just made fun of his acting. And and let me like, I, I think you can divide this into two quadrant or to two segments. Like objectively, like does he act according to the letter of like the Stanislav Mesk, Stanislav, Stanislav Mesk method or whatever? And like, is he like really, is he on the level of like a Daniel Day-Lewis in Attack of the Clones? No. But as a Star Wars fan, like I've always thought it was fun because you have sort of this infinite pool of context and story that I always thought like now looking back, he's acting exactly how an 18 year old kid who's never been around other people, never been around, frankly, like women, never been around like people who just understand what being normal is like. And then he's simultaneously pumped with like constant a constant feed of people telling you like not only are you the most brilliant one you might actually be chosen mm. you might actually have this and, and combining all these things like i think it kind of fits perfectly that he is wooden and weird and awkward and kind of dorky but also kind of cool and like i you know again it's one of those things retrospectively i actually think it's a brilliant performance but people got so caught up in like geez like hayden christensen can't act and whether that was his intent or not it doesn't really matter because to me, like that, who Anakin was and the trauma that he experienced is exactly how a human being would <laughs> behave yeah. and speak and engage. Yeah. And so I, I even felt that way about Jar Jar. Like, um, I think I'm guilty of it. And you, you guys probably are too. Like, it's easy to really love some of the darker aspects of Star Wars, like a Rogue One and, to, and Andor and to get into the, the dramatic whatever. But I'm also one to say, like, looking back at the prequel trilogy, knowing what George had set out to do, like, I'm, I'm in agreement. Like it, it's actually pretty perfect in its own right. Um, but yeah. We're, yeah. We're and really not to mention the fact that, um, and I think this is separate, but I think that Clone Wars did a lot for Hayden specifically. Um, and I think that some of the additional content, Ben, you had mentioned Count Dooku. I think Count Dooku has gone through such an amazing character arc and supplementation of what he was for Attack of the Clones. Um, and I think that everyone can respect and appreciate a more complex villain than the mustache twirling ha ha ha. And mm -hmm. so we've already had that with the Emperor. The Emperor is evil because he's evil. Right. So he's he's almost less of a character and more of just like a theme of evil. But Dooku himself, he was like he was corrupted. He saw something that was wrong and he was right about it. He's 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 Boromir for 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 Star Wars. And I'm glad that he finally got the depth that he deserved because you look at it and you're like, oh, it's 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 Christopher Lee, this incredible Shakespearean classically trained actor who is just, you know, is just doing like a bit piece or a role to kind of be like to sell additional tickets because Christopher Lee and because, um, oh, by the way, he was Saruman. So, you At know, the same time that came out. Exactly. Like he was he was like the villain du jour, much like Loki. Uh, and he'll, uh, I can't I can't think of his name right now, but um, Hildiston, something like that. Um, this is a Star Wars show. This is a Star Wars show. <laughs> and I'm talking. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I just I, 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 I really resonated with that. And Ben, we've talked online before um, about how Count Dooku is like a really a much deeper character than most people give him credit for. He has like a there's like an it's not an audio book but it's called like Dooku Jedi Lost. It's an audio performance. It's about eight hours. Dooku is voiced horribly. It doesn't sound like him at all. So it's like distracting. But the content of the story itself is actually gives us a lot of insight into his character. And Tales of the Jedi was just. Yeah, it's perfect. So I had to get that stuff this. in. Yeah. You know, one of the things I did a video um, on my YouTube channel, gosh, probably five, six years ago, I think, um, 
because I posed the question on my Instagram. I was like, who's the better Sith? I think I did a poll on my story and I did a picture of Darth Maul or Count Dooku. And everybody was choosing Darth Maul. And I was like, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, you can. I remember that post. You remember that? Yeah, I said I, Dooku. I said Dooku. You responded. You're like, yeah, that's right. I was like, yeah. if you're talking about like a tool for the destruction of Jedi, that's just like a complete weapon. Yeah, Darth Maul. But if you're talking about getting the end goals of the Sith to to eliminate the Jedi, to do it in a strategic, methodical, very thought out way, Dooku by far, yeah. by far. If and, they had looked I, different, if, if their names were different, fans would have felt different. Meaning, Darth Maul's appeal was always in the design, which is awesome. Like I remember, even when they first came out, you know, that leaked images in late '98, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, who's this like demon? Uh, but that was always the appeal, right? Like he had mm -hmm. two speaking lines in the Phantom Menace, and then he was just this incredible like martial artist. But Beyond that, like, I think people were just sort of like, what can we do to bring him back? Count Dooku never got the love because yeah, he, it's another tired old Jedi to the untrained yeah. eye. But, but yeah. yeah, totally. And I think that also speaks to, uh, I think some of the, I think it was brilliance on the part of George Lucas telling a story because he, he created these, these, you know, Sith, these bad guys, but he created them, you know, through Sidious, who knew, you know, his his story of knowing, okay, at this point in my plan, I need this. I need I need somebody who's in the shadows, who's gonna, you know, do some mutilation and damage. And then next phase, okay, I need someone who can stand behind a microphone, influence people, you know, pull the whole thing off politically and all that stuff. And someone who is he identified somebody who is dissatisfied with with um with where the republic was and he and he used truth in his life to bring him to evil right and you know that's what the best bad guys are the ones that can take the truth twist it manipulate it enough to make people do what they want them to do for their own cause and uh, end goals so that's why i thought it was brilliant and then is he, you know, is he your favorite star wars character ben uh no actually obi-wan is i love obi-wan always have yeah but All I right, then I got a fo quick follow-up. Yeah. Alec Guinness or Ewan McGregor, or it doesn't matter. Oh, gosh. I love them both. <laughs> yeah, I had to. Yeah, but I, I think Ewan McGregor is – I think when I think of Obi-Wan now – I mean, growing up, I always thought Alec Guinness just because that's right. who he was. But I think – when I think of Obi-Wan, what comes into my mind is the visual of uh, of Ewan McGregor. That's but I love them both. They're phenomenal. Sure. That's really awesome. Yeah, I think I think, Jeff, we had that conversation <clears throat> in an unpublished podcast where it's like we we have to respect everything that Alec did for for the character. He's played the role incredibly. Um, he was reluctant to take it as is, you know, famous for a lot of actors back in the day. They're like, I don't know about the Star Wars sci fi thing. Um, but since then, I'm I, Ewan has done such a good job. He's really crushing it uh, I, in his performance. I'm not, we're not going to we're not going to get into the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, but his performance as Obi-Wan and his portrayal as Obi-Wan has just always been solid to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would agree I with that. The show was fine. I mean, we don't need like that's probably a different discussion for a different day. But I agree. I mean, when I, I've even seen deep fakes of like they deep faked Harrison in Solo and I loved it because I was like, oh, this is really cool. This is like what I wanted to see. I actually think it might have been Shamuk that did it before he got hired to do season or yeah, season one of Book of Boba Fett, but like redoing the face. Yeah. Uh, but I saw him do it with Ewan over Alec Guinness. And I was like, am I, is this sacrilegious for liking this a little bit more than I should? Like, cause I, it, it really worked. Um, I hope we don't get to that point where Disney retcons things like that. And then suddenly we have like a special edition version two where um, people are just taken out kind of like Sebastian Shaw, for example, or even, um, as a side note, Ben, one of my favorite sequences in all of Star Wars, which was the original Latinx scene in Jabba's Palace with Sai Soodles as like a puppet. And that song was really good. And then yeah. they took that out. And I always, it's now like the worst scene in the special edition. It's like so of its era that, uh, but anyways, yeah. hope that never happens. So it definitely, it definitely makes you uh, feel like it's 1997 when you watch that. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so this is interesting. I was, I wanted to bring this up before, um, and you kind of, you kind of redid it. You had, you had mentioned that there's a lot of 
each movie will be evocative of something based on the time. And when I think of episode one, <laughs> Jeff will know this. You might know this, Ben, because we're all from we're all from the lovely state of Kansas, or we 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 have we we claim residence to there at some point in our lives. Um, I remember the Kentaco Hut and Taco Bell doing the Pogs, and then the toy yeah. releases um, for 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 episode one, and really just like the hype of all of the toys back when an entire toy aisle not just one side but both sides of the toy aisle as you walk down you might even get double stacked um we're all star wars and that just like that's what i remember and that's what visually is cued to me when i think of episode one is your similar you're you're a little bit older but i mean is it similar is there is there a particular one you want to share with with any of the movie releases any of any of the yeah. six uh well gosh i mean each one, there's always something. I mean, the original trilogy, I was I was a kid, so it was all about Kenner action figures, uh, and uh, you know, Christmases, opening things. I think the 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 biggest one for me when I was a kid was probably getting the Death Star playset from I was like 1978 or 79. I can't remember when it actually came out. It might have been 79. Um, yeah, that was amazing. I think that was like the pinnacle for me as as a kid. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> That is highly regarded as an amazing playset from Kenner. Oh, so yeah. many people love it. Um, yeah. we, we we all follow uh, and interact with a with with the Kenner boy on yeah. uh, Instagram. Who yep. just he 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 loves that, that oh, set. Yeah. And, and truth be told, like it's an awesome set. Um, and I recently saw a post where one of the kid models who is in like the front of it actually yeah, got like a, a sealed version of it. Cause he's like, Oh, that, 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 that's me. Can I please buy this? And they're like, Oh, this is cool. Let's take a picture. And it was yeah. like him. It was real that's cool. Amazing. Yeah. And that is a great set. Um, yeah. And then the prequels, I think <clears throat> I, I do remember, uh, the Phantom Menace. I remember driving to Toys R Us on my lunch break when I worked at Sprint at the time and, uh, drove down to Toys R Us and, um, just, was trying everybody was trying to find Darth Maul which did not exist anywhere um and then I found him in a in a bin at Walgreens like you know in 20 or 2000 um after the movie had been out for a while and I think everybody was like meh not what I wanted so uh I was like finally I got Darth Maul um yeah and so I did not do the Attack of the Clones toy line um I think that was that was around we were knee deep in diapers and formula for our baby at the time uh, so all of that stuff went went away for me. And then Revenge of the Sith came out in 05, and I, I collected every one of those figures. I would, on my way to work, I would stop at Target and uh, Toy Hunt, and I would, I would literally, I remember one morning racing a guy to the toy aisle, and I was so happy to see him going to the Hot Wheels instead. So uh, I think we were both <laughs> racing each other, mall walking very quickly to the uh, toy aisles. Uh, whether, whether this is real or not, every time i am on a toy hunt i just like look around i'm like these people are walking to the store they're definitely they're definitely after exactly the piece that i'm after let me yeah. walk a little bit i do this every time and it's yeah. like a mother that needs to shop for groceries i'm like mm, no you can get you can get those groceries behind me <laughs> I, I need well, these toys out of my way <laughs> when you're going at opening when the store opens and there's another guy standing there like that's what that's that's a like, giveaway morning, yeah i was like uh, this guy he's here for something else and sure enough he was running to the toy aisle, but we were both on our hunt for our own individual things. I just remember it vividly, but I would think, uh, I will say one particular piece that I got during that era that I loved so much. There were two things. One was the Republic gunship from revenge of the Sith. I still have it. Oh my gosh. That thing was beautiful. And, uh, such a nice piece. Yeah. Me and my daughter would play with that. My daughter loved it. Um, she would play the snot out of that thing. And then uh, they also, around the same era, um, Target had an exclusive TIE fighter that was, they made the, uh, it was the first time they made the panels, the actual uh, scale of the movie, right? So um, that was an awesome piece as well. And it came with the TIE pilot. So anyway, uh, those That's are what, some of my favorite memories. Look, this is why the TVC, uh, this is why the TVC works, because vehicles are actually possible, like through the 375 yeah. scale. So Jeff, go ahead, though. No, the TIE Fighter from the Power of the Force 2 line, that was like a Christmas present one year. And it was just a remit. I think it was just basically a re-release of what they did in 78. Like it mm -hmm. was because the, the, the panels are very small or whatever. Well, I will yeah. I will say, though, Daniel, to your point, um, not to like just chime in and be like me, too. But 
I thought the same thing every time I went toy hunting. And like the memory <laughs> that weirdly stands out to me, nobody on this podcast that's like under the age of 36 will understand what we're talking about. But yeah. it was like August of 1996. And I remember like I woke up one morning, my mom had like a parade magazine thing. And it was like Shadows of the Empire toys are now being mm. released at Toys R Us. And I was like, well, we got to go. And my mom was like, we well, have school. It's a Friday. And I'm like, if we don't go now, like we're not going to get them. We didn't go until after school. And Daniel knows my dad, but my dad's built like Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince. And I remember <laughs> like running as this tiny little kid and my dad just like straw walking and like going right past me. And there was like a mob of people in the aisle. And he's like, which ones do you want? And I was like, yep. all of them. And he was just like, fum, fum, yeah. fum, fum, fum. Uh, but that was like, it's funny how those Star Wars memories of toys oh. were all so rooted in like these. And it's just like very strange, but yeah. I guess, let me ask you this on that topic, Ben. I mean, cause you said at the beginning and we were, I think we've all sort of taken the same trajectory. Um, but as we kind of close out here, you know, we kind of bonded over hot toys and I'm just mm -hmm. curious, like from the one six scale, not to give you sort of the, the, the cheese box question, but if you had one figure that really stands out that you think captures sort of the essence of star Wars detail and everything, at the hot toys scale. And I'm going to make you choose one because I know the default thing is like, I can't mm. choose one. Um, we can't choose one behind this. But <laughs> you choose? I mean, what is the favorite figure? You're never going to sell it, you know? Yeah, it's funny you ask that because I, <clears throat> there was this time I was auctioning off a lot of stuff, uh, but I was auctioning them so I could go get the next hot toy, right? Um, and I think for me, like, it's kind of like what I talked about with the movies. There's, there's the, their quality of the product, there's the character and what that character means to you, or, you know, is it your favorite character? And then there's, uh, you know, is there sentimental value in that particular item or character? Um, so for me, I did, I had somebody ask me that same question a couple of years ago as I was auctioning off stuff on my Instagram. Um, he's like, what, what figure would you would, would you find it really hard to, to get rid of? And I said, well, if you ever see me selling my my episode three Anakin or uh, Anakin or Obi Wan, you know that times are bad for me, <laughs> and I'm selling them because I need the money. <laughs> but uh, I I would say probably um, it would probably be that Obi Wan the Ep three deluxe Obi Wan um, for all the reasons I just mentioned. My favorite character, um, a lot of sentimental value around that particular era of Star Wars. Uh, for me and, and my my daughter and my family and then uh, it's just a, an epic i think it, the sculpt is beautiful um i love it it's it's awesome so yeah baby i'm the only one in the group that doesn't have it oh. amateur hour dude amateur <laughs> the, the baby luke sculpt that comes with that figure by the way oh, routinely yeah. sells on ebay for like 150 dollars are you serious <laughs> It's insane to me that like it's, Ben's like Ben Ben's like Ben's like uh, I said I wouldn't sell the Obi Wan that yeah. that Luke toy that Luke thing <laughs> bye bye <laughs> yeah the the baby here I'm I'm right here how fortuitous that I'm standing like I'm sitting right next to it this little piece of plastic like yep. routinely sells for like a hundred dollars plus wow. on its own and it's it's well painted but it's just a baby I mean yeah I can sub in. Uh, one of my kids' little tykes figures wrapped yep. in a Kleenex, and they would know, be none the wiser. So, anyway, funny. Well, yeah. but all good. Well, yeah. Ben, let me just say, well, before I kind of close that, Daniel, did you have anything else for Ben or Ben? Anything else you wanted to, to talk about? Well, I would love to. I uh, know. I'd, I'd love to open the floor to to, to Ben yeah. to just kind of yeah. just kind of fa a favorite moment of Star Wars, a favorite anything of Star Wars, just something that you want to get out to uh, the listeners, 50% of which are on this call right now. Yeah, uh, the favorite thing of Star Wars. Um, I would just uh, I would just say I just love I think the thing about Star Wars that um, whether you're a fan of certain particular eras of Star Wars or not a fan of it, I think the biggest thing that that is beautiful about um, about Star Wars itself is how it can be something that fuels uh, families. You know, it fuels something to gather around and be able to celebrate. And and that's always it doesn't matter whether you like a certain era of the uh, the film franchise or not. Um, like even for me, I'm not a big sequel trilogy fan at all. Um, but the thing I love, my favorite memories about that is is going to see those movies and taking my entire family to go see them in the movie theater and uh, on Christmas day. 
Um, so we would do that. And uh, so that was just, I think that's just one of the beautiful things about, about Star Wars, you know, that it's multi-generational and it didn't matter how old you are. Um, everybody loved going to see those movies and, and having fun with that. So, yeah, I think that's yeah, my favorite thing that. about Star Wars. It's not even about the movies itself, just how they uh, fuel fuel relationships and families and that kind of thing. Hey, and we're bonding over it right now. It's a, it's exactly. a beautiful thing. It's really, yeah. really, I mean, there there could be the toxicity in Star Wars that we can all talk about, but as it is a net positive, and it's a net positive by far for all the amazing things that uh, that that Star Wars has done for everybody. And I think really a lot of the negativity around Star Wars is that people love it so much yeah. that if they see something that doesn't align with with their passion and their love and how they were introduced to it or something doesn't it just doesn't fit with it you know like the the removal of the eu and transition to legends to wipe the slate clean like it's hard for us because we grew up with those stories and so <clears throat> but i think overall the stories are all so good and they're so positive there's so much positivity out of star wars and i love it so much yeah it's like family i mean we're harshest sometimes on the people we love the most and i think that's where like for me if people see even today i'm guilty of this like i posted some critiques of some things that were recently announced but like that's not coming from a place of anger cynicism what it's coming from is i clearly pr proven that i love this i'm taking an hour out of my day with you guys to like do a podcast i have a room that i'm embarrassed if some my worst i'm going to repeat the meme that i see online my worst fear is that like if my wife ever were to sell my collection for what she thinks it's worth, like I would have an absolute like meltdown and or like return. Because, like, oh, no, no, no. And so like, it's a time, it's a financial, it's an emotional investment. It's, I always think like, I always try to tell people that, that this isn't just me critiquing something because I'm looking for a fight. In fact, I, most of my memories are so rooted deeply in like a love of Star Wars that it's just, I just see myself probably more as a defender of the faith of it uh, a little yeah. bit, but I'm with you. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, my wife just bought our little, our youngest son, native shoes, these little like slip on shoes. And one has C3PO and one has R2D2. My oldest got the millennium Falcon is what he picked out. And I'm just like, I don't think I'm projecting this on them. Am I? I think they maybe actually like it. So <laughs> you that, don't have any influence. Might be yeah. a little. <laughs> hey, my son, my, my oldest comes into this room and he opens up and, despite all the figures, do you know what he always picks up and tries to steal? It's the Dagobah rock that's next to Yoda. Like, it's a rock. Like, he's interested in the rock and, like, puts it in his pocket and pretends he's stealing it. And leaves. And I'm like, Man, there are any number of things that are way cooler yeah. than the rock. Um, that's awesome. But, yeah, it's all good. That's awesome. Uh, incredible. All right. Should we, should we, should we move to uh, kind of the giveaway time? All right. Ooh, yes. Here's what, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what we're going to do, folks. Here's what we're going to do. In addition to the sand crawler, these guys, we're on video now. I've got like 20 of these things. Ben, we're going to we're going to send you one as a thank you. Oh, awesome. Um I've got so many of those things. Uh we're going to do that giveaway and that 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 word, the the secret word that you have to you have to follow us on Instagram, the sand crawler podcast, all one word, no underscores. Um and then you have to send us the word grievous. And you'll get yourself one of these. One of those lucky people that DMs us that also follows Kansas Geekman at KS Geekman, all one word, uh, will also be entered into a raffle that I'm going to not do publicly or anything because I'm not. We're not going to go live, but it, it'll be legitimate. Uh, gonna get gonna get you one of these cards. I bought one. Uh, I told I told you guys before we started recording. I I bought one of these cards a couple of weeks ago, in anticipation of wanting Ben to be our first guest. So again, thank you so much. Yeah, um, and I wanted to do this as a giveaway. And when I got the card in my hands, and I'm not like I'm not. This is not pumping our guest or anything. I I literally was like, I don't really want to give this card away. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> um, I, I love it. I have the refractor version. Um, it, it came in really good condition. I bought it from like a card dealer um, and they, they, they like double packed it and sealed it yeah. really nicely. So it didn't get bent in, in transit or anything like that. Um, and I just like find myself um, going back to it. It's, it's on my, it's on my desk right now with a handful of other hot toys that I haven't packed away yet. 
or put onto detolfs. And I just keep going to it. And it's partly it's partly because the light catches it when I'm at certain angles because it's a refractor. But oh, yeah. I really love this card. And um, I'm gonna buy a second one so that I can <laughs> I still have one. Um, and then I will ship out I will ship out the one that I have now for for a lucky listener that's gonna that's gonna send us the code word. Awesome. I'm gonna yeah, buy I'm, a PSA, I, I'm gonna buy a PSA Jim Mint one and then send the bill to Ben. Uh, that scalper will take advantage of me and then you have to keep, you're subsidizing this addiction say that. and i i will say this too i'm happy to um and i think i mentioned this to you but i've got i've got like a couple of them here on hand and i'm happy to sign one if you want to do another giveaway and and do a signed one i'm happy to do that for you guys too so give give away to some of the hosts of the sand yeah. podcast <laughs> yeah, we're begging for fans and listeners, but I also I'm I'm gonna skim off the top first. That's just my absolutely. Info, so. I can do that. I'd be happy to send you guys one. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um. It really like it really is just such a cool piece. And w- w- this is this is like the exact thing that I love more than anything in Star Wars is, and this is why I think Filoni, um, by and large, like way by and large, is is so awesome to have an impact on the franchise is because he was a fan first that happens to have talent in the areas that star wars requires talent storyboarding storytelling directing etc what have you you are a fan first and you were able to then live out that dream it's 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 a little bit dream of mine a little bit dream of jeff to uh, and maybe yours too to be like an extra just like it just don't even give me a name don't even do whatever like let me do a backstory let me just like walk in the background you can cut the scene in the fi- in the final version of it, I just want to be able to say like, yeah, I was an extra in Star Wars. Here's my story. I'm gonna fanfic it, and there's a trilogy behind this guy. <laughs> so, um, it's just it's just like genuinely cool um to 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 be able to do it. So I'm peanut butter and jealous of you. Um, but let me say that like genuinely from the bottom of my heart, I'm really happy, really appreciative that you came on. Um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we hope this is one of many. I'd love to down the road do like a check in. Um, we want to do a couple of different segments. Um, one thing we're tossing around is like when Jeff and I record, like what's the most recent thing that we've, we've bought that relates to star Wars. Um, for me, uh, besides your card, I actually bought this after the card because your card made me do it. Um, people, folks can't see the, I got, I bought the full 90, 90 card set of the Gindy card, Tartakovsky clone wars. And there's actually like pretty good information on the back of each of these cards i got the entire set for 15 dollars us shipped free um i wasn't too concerned about um the the how good they were the quality of the cards or whatever but they actually turned out really nice i'm, I'm not going to get any of them graded they're probably eights sevens or lower um but in terms of what i want them for just to look at them just to read about the backs uh they they work so perfectly so um well, we'd love we'd love to check in with you yeah, I would love to. And uh, let me just tell you, thank you guys for inviting me. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I always love talking about Star Wars. Um, and then kudos to you for uh, keeping the tops trading card stuff going, because uh, I think that is a, a hobby that a lot of people forget about in the area of collecting. And I think um, people would be surprised how fun it can be uh, when you find a good set and uh, just snag it off eBay and, and then you'll yep. have a great time. It's a lot of fun. Incredible. Incredible. Well, Jeff, any any wise words? Uh, no? I don't know. Well, no, ladies and gentlemen. Say, I will. I will. Uh, I, I, I always know we stretch our outros out. But Ben, again, let me personally thank you, too. I appreciate it so much, man. And um, yeah. thanks for always just being a good friend to us on Instagram and uh, commiserating with us on, on things and also getting excited. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would. My wife's going to listen to this, but you're to blame for my most recent foray back into trading cards. It's 100% on you. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I can, I'll just, take never, just never tell her how much you've spent. <laughs> they give it to me for free. Ben, like, ben like hooked a, it up. They're like a buck a piece, right? That's it. Yeah. Uh, it's like that, uh, that video meme of the guy coming home with the video game system, and he's like, oh, they gave it to me. <laughs> I, I love watching that audio template over all this all the collector stuff that people bring in it's 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 real gold it's real gold i bet a lot of our listeners know what you're what you're talking struggle about is real struggle's real guys thank <laughs> you so much i appreciate you all it was a lot of fun we'll do it again thank you and uh as always our sign off uh jeff ben may the force be with you may the force be with you all right, later guys <laughs>